Last week, Jesus explained how entrance into the kingdom of God requires righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees. Now, it sounded impossible, and that's why we learned that the righteousness of the Pharisees tended to be limited to their religious actions alone, and never really affecting their hearts. And we also discovered that the prophets anticipated a Messiah who would bless his people with a new heart and God's Spirit that would move into them to help them in their righteous living. I love that because God gave us all we need for our righteousness to surpass that of the Pharisees. Well, in today's text and for two weeks following, Jesus will show us how our new heart works. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Now, the Pharisees had some creative ways to apply Scripture. One of their approaches was to make a biblical command so narrow that it broadened what was permissible. Jesus gives us an example right here. When Scripture says, do not murder a person, the Pharisees narrowed it to mean that command is broken only if you actually spill a person's blood, if you actually kill them. And by narrowing its meaning, they broadened the strong feelings that a Pharisee could have towards other people, and yet still honor God. Think about that for a moment. The way they narrowed it, if the Pharisees didn't kill their enemy, they were still permitted to despise to loathe, to hate their enemies, and not break the command. If they didn't kill their enemy, they were permitted to hold as big of a grudge against them as they wanted. Do you get the point? Narrow the meaning of the command, broaden the feelings towards their enemies, and still honor God. Uh, I wonder if we have any cat lovers out there. And if we do, tell me if this is true. There was an article in, on the website, The Science of Us, and it listed what they called 17 things we know about forgiveness. One of the most interesting scientific insights discovered is who or what does not forgive. Here's what the article stated. Cats never forgive. Cat people, is that true? Here's the quote, scientists have observed most animals desire to pacify each other, to keep the peace. Whether it's chimpanzees or mountain gorillas, many other primates, any confrontation is often followed with friendly behavior like embracing or kissing. Well, scientists see the same thing occur with goats and hyenas. The only animal that has so far failed to show outward signs of a desire to reconcile are domestic cats. In other words, cats only know how to hold a grudge. Now, can you imagine if the church would be like that? If Christians were cat-like in their forgiveness? We wouldn't be able to be a family because we're always looking at others through the lens of how they hurt us. Can you imagine that? Church would be miserable 
we would look like we would look like a gathering of Pharisees. Well, look what Jesus teaches in verse 22 of our text. He says this, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in the danger of the fire of hell. Jesus takes the Pharisees' definition of righteousness and he flips it upside down. We could put it this way. In the kingdom of God, to be righteous is to sense the first feeling of contempt towards another person and immediately taking action to reconcile. Do you feel the difference? In the kingdom of God, the moment we feel hatred and we think, I wish that person wasn't here. In the kingdom, the moment we insult another person's intelligence by thinking they're dumb as a rock. In the kingdom of God, the moment we think another person is a moron or a fool, Jesus is saying that his disciples know such angry thoughts and insulting words, though they may never lead to actual murder, they are just as serious as murder. In fact, did you know in 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, it says this, Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. You see, our angry thoughts are so serious in the kingdom of God that they have a serious consequence. Jesus says in verse 30 that the person who thinks such things will be in danger of the fire of hell. Man, we need some good news if that's the case. Does our new heart with God's Spirit hold an answer for us? They do, don't they? Look at verses 23 to 26 in the text. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift right there in the front, in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Verse 25, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Did you notice they're guilty? What action does our new heart desire to take? The new heart we have from God, it desires immediately to go unreconciled. We don't wait until the closing prayer. We go now. We reconcile. We run, offer forgiveness. We seek the forgiveness of the person that we wronged. Citizens of God's kingdom are generous with forgiveness. Author Vishal Mangalwadi a Christian leader from India, he writes a moving story about Gladys Staines and the impact that she had on the nation of India. Gladys and her husband Graham and their sons, they devoted their lives to serving lepers in India's eastern state of Orissa. Vishal writes this, Gladys was an ordinary housewife, but she stunned our nation by spontaneously and unpretentiously, humbly and genuinely 
forgiving militant Hindus for burning to death her husband and two boys on January 23, 1999. In 2005, the government of India, India honored Gladys with one of their highest civilian honors. Now, why should an individual be given a national honor simply for forgiving the murderers of her family? Well, to appreciate her forgiveness, you need to understand India's history. Both India and Pakistan became free nations through great pain. Riots broke out between the Indian religions of Hindus, Muslims, and Sikhs, causing 10 million to be made homeless because of the discord and killing nearly a million people. Fifty years of secular democracy and education could not free India from this destructive chain that divided the nation by violence and revenge. By forgiving the Hindus who murdered her family, Gladys became a national phenomenon because it broke the chain of cause and effect. It broke the chain of cause and effect that none of the other religions could do. In city after city, Hindu, Muslim, Sikh, Buddhist, Jain, and secular leaders gathered to publicly honor Gladys as a saint to be emulated. The government of India was simply the last in line to acknowledge that Gladys Staines is an ordinary woman with an extraordinary spirit, possessed of a faith that could heal India. Impossible, you say. I can't forget what people have done to me. And you're right, you can't. But God can do it through you. Remember, His Spirit is now in you. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Church, allow His Spirit to move you to forgive, and God's Spirit will empower you to do it. Your ability to forgive can change your life and possibly the lives of those you forgive. Let's go back to our text this morning. Matthew chapter 5, 27 to 30. Here's how it continues. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. When Jesus says, don't lust, he's not referring to the involuntary glance. The idea here is to look at another person for the purpose of lusting. The adulterous desire in the heart seeks out a person to attach the fantasy to. That's the lust that Jesus is talking about. Think about it this way. 
to choose a specific movie to watch, to intentionally seek out porn, to go to a place with the intent of finding a person to fantasize about. That is when adultery is occurring in the heart. And I imagine the Pharisees would have been quite indignant at this moment because Jesus is telling them they have problems with sexual righteousness. But if the truth be known, we all do. John Ortberg says this, If Jesus were to come and stand on this stage at church this morning and announce to the congregation, anybody who lusted this week, who engaged in any behavior or thought that was sexually inappropriate, you will die in 10 seconds. And then we start a countdown. 10, 9, 8, 3, 2, 1, 0. And by zero, Jesus would be speaking to a dead congregation. Jesus would be the only one left standing. The point of the illustration is this. If we think we're sexually perfect and need no repentance because we have avoided physical adultery, think again. Because where our thoughts go, that is what we do. What can our new hearts from God do to protect us? Jesus says, protect your heart by shutting the gates at the eyes. Verse 29 says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, what's this stuff all about when it comes to gouging out eyes? Jesus is using what is known as hyperbole. It's a dramatic figure of speech. Now, please understand me. Jesus is not advocating that you literally maim yourself. Some people have believed that, but that's not what he's saying. But what he does say, he's using this drastic action to show we must be drastic in how we deal with our thought life when it comes to sex. Now, what actions would be drastic enough in killing lust in our thoughts that others may think that we're weird? Maybe it's getting rid of internet, getting rid of cable, getting rid of your smartphone. How do you know if the action taken was drastic enough to deal with our thought life? Well, if the eye were gouged out, what happens to it? The eye dies. It will no longer be able to see images that feed the internal desires. So is the action being taken strong enough to kill the temptation for lust? Now again, look what Jesus says at the end of verse 30. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Not only does Jesus show us how deceptive sin is, I don't have a problem with adultery because I've never done it physically. And yet at the same time, our thoughts can run with wild fantasies. And there is a destructiveness that comes with the sinful thought life. In fact, Jesus is saying hell is so bad. You will have a better life on earth if you cut off body parts in order to avoid hell. This again is hyperbole. Jesus isn't commanding that we cut off body parts. He's simply saying, however painful your steps are to get lust under control, man, as difficult as it may be, it's nothing compared to hell if you don't. One of the most significant passages on sexual immorality it says in the Bible this, Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God 
or give thanks to him. But they became futile, catch this, futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Romans chapter 1, verses 21 and 24. These verses go right to the root of sinful desires, our hearts. When we habitually turn our focus from what God wants to what our sinful desires want, it eventually affects our sexuality. Did you notice in Romans 1.21 where this turn outwards leads to unnatural sex? When we reject praising God in our hearts, we turn towards sexual impurity in our lives. This is all of us, not just people who take on the gay lifestyle. We are all born with a bend towards sexual sin. Our Christian faith informs us that just because we have this bend towards sexual sin, it doesn't mean we must act upon it. What Jesus is te teaching is countercultural to our world. Because in our world today, today, the world teaches if you were born with a desire, then it's immoral to not have the right to satisfy the desire. And yet, what, what does Jesus say? Jesus is saying, but you, my disciples, you be radical in dealing with sin. And listen how radical the Apostle Paul was. He said this, I beat my body to bring it into subjection, to bring our bodies into submission to God. We need to act immediately. We need to diagnose the problem, pluck it out, cut it off, eliminate it. Whatever it is that feeds the heart of lust, whatever it is that feeds that adulterous thought, he's saying, get rid of it. Chrysostom, the early church father, said this, I fear nothing but sin. As disciples, that is the only thing we should fear, sin. Because we don't fear the world because Jesus overcame the world. John 16, verse 33. We don't fear evil spiritual forces because we are already conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8, 37-39. We don't even fear death because Jesus destroyed death through His resurrection. The only thing to fear is sin. Because it has the power to destroy us. It has the power to rob us of our power, to confuse us and lead us, if we're not careful, to hell. Romans 14.23 says this, Whatever is not of faith is sin. When we live as if there is no God, we show we do not live by faith, which is a dangerous place to be. Disciples of Jesus, be radical. Be radical in killing sin in our lives.